My mission in the world is to help individuals change the world for good for generations to come. That's my goal. Hi there. I'm so glad you decided to check out this MindRamp podcast. We're going to be exploring coaching with my good friend, Greg Finch. What is coaching? Who can benefit from coaching? What can you expect from a coaching session and a coaching relationship? I'm Michael C. Patterson, co-founder and CEO of MindRamp Consulting and the host of the MindRamp podcast. Greg is a great person to explore this topic of coaching with. I met Greg when we were both doing work with the National Center for Creative Aging. It's a nonprofit that supports creative artists who work with older adults. I was on the board of directors. Greg was one of the lead staff persons for a number of important initiatives that we worked on together. We reconnected recently and discovered that both of us had decided to get training uh, to become personal coaches. Greg did a full coaching program at George Mason University and is now a well-respected executive coach based in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And best of all, for my purposes, Greg is a really nice, warm, sensitive, thoughtful, intelligent guy, so I always enjoy talking with him. And he has a lot of insightful things to say about coaching and, and life in general. So, let's get started. I have a two-part question for you. I think there are different ways of asking the same questions. How do you define coaching? And another way to come at that is when people ask you what you do, what do you tell them? (laughs) That's great. I always look at people and I say, I help people be more authentically who they are and draw upon their strengths to be that person. And that's their innate strengths that they already have in place. I help people be the people that they are created um, and shaped into being. You'd mentioned that you work a lot with executives and senior executives. In in Mm -hmm. listening to your description, it's hard for me to imagine that a senior executive is going to come to you and say, I want you to help me find my authentic self. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem like what they would come to you asking for. They would come to no, you, how no, can no, I improve no. my bottom line? Or, you know, how can no, I? Get no, no, no. <laughs> so what do, what do people come to you uh, hoping that you will do for them? What do they initially think that, that is going to happen? You know, it's, uh, I'm really thinking about um, a, a new client that I had yesterday. And uh, we always start with the inquiry what would you like to achieve by the time we're completed with this session? And there's always this puzzled look on their face. <laughs> like Nobody ever asks me that. And generally, what almost always happens is the person that says, well, and then they kind of back up for a minute. And this is at every level, actually. And then they go, well, and then they start telling stories. And the stories will be about how where stress is in their lives or how their calendar is booked. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the executives say, uh, maybe you can give me some tips or strategies on something. And so it's this very task-oriented, and I want to be more effective in my job or maybe a more effective leader. That's more rare. Uh, a lot of the times it's like, 
how do I get my team to really fill in the blank? And just yesterday, it was really amazing. It's why I love doing this. This senior, senior person laid out like five things in the first 20 minutes. They were ready to just tell the story. And each time you would think, oh, they're almost... And then they would take another and then they would say, and then there's this. And so there was the <laughs> calendar in there and there was time management and then there was this and then there was that. And then, Michael, what happened yesterday, and it almost always does, there's a body break that gives a clue. And my client, they breathed in and they just went, <sighs> and I really want to be able to live my value there and I feel like I'm not and then they go like and then it's covered up almost immediately and then there's this person that I'm having trouble with and they keep on going Mm -hmm. and so we came back around I'm quiet for a moment I said what was that when you took that breath and then they got this sheepish grin (laughs) on their face and they go yeah and so it's normally like that it's all of the stories get told and then there's a moment that they recognize if we wait and we hold the space what they really want to get done and so it's more about allowing their story to inform them and holding that space so that they discover uh, what it is that really they want to do it's a beautiful beautiful process can coaching be valuable for anybody or do you have to be in a leadership mm. role for it to, to actually be valuable? Hmm. The way I'd respond to that is that we're all in leadership roles, whether it's as a mom, a dad, um, working somewhere. We, we are all entrusted with our work in the world. And so having a coach for anything that has to do with us being our best in the world is important. And you're absolutely correct to make a living as a coach because it's one hour, you know, it's not eight hours a day job. There are economies and economies of scale and all that, that come into play. And I think every coach that I know um, works in some part with executives. One, I know I do. My mission in the world is to help individuals change the world for good for generations to come. That's my goal. And so executive leadership in certain companies and different things or what I look at that when I work with this individual Maybe thousands of individuals are in turn benefiting from that. Second is that every coach that I know does uh, pro bono work, or as I would call it, low bono work. I was credited (laughs) in my class with low bono, where you you do it at a rate that uh, allows someone to fit it into their budget. So pro bono, low bono, and 
When I talk about coaching, coaching, it's a co-designed process that allows people to be almost questioned into becoming that and they discover what they may have forgotten or what they have blocked or simply haven't experienced in what it means to be their fullest being. So coaching is working with people and that really that sacred, if you will, space that's that interior to bring forward their highest and best, their greatest strengths, and then witness them embracing that and uh, moving forward. So you you use the words uh, body break, and that sounds like it comes from your your work with somatics. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's a great book title, and I cannot recall the author right now, but it's called The Body Knows, mm. K-N-O-W-S. And it's like um, what somatics is, is really that book title, The Body Knows. We know what's going on. Our body knows. And we layer up with what we think or the story or the whatever you know when something feels wrong. Mm-hmm. You know when you're elated. You know when you trust someone. Even if that trust is broken later, there's something in there that allowed you to go farther than you would have. What it is, is it's a way of approaching, learning, and knowing that takes in what our body knows and learning to tap in to that. and allow it to inform and allow it to companion when we take action. Does that mean that you, you recognize that they suddenly shifted their, their body position or, or gave you some kind of body language signal that something important was going on? Michael, you use such a beautiful word shift and that's it. Mm. You know, we don't pay attention is really what it is. You and I both know when we're in a room or someone, we know whether we feel open or closed, antagonistic or collaborative. Mm-hmm. There's, and it's a whole vocabulary that we know. And then for some people, they've been raised in vocabularies where the somatic vocabularies don't line up. And so they have trouble mm-hmm. recognizing things that might be uh, benign. They suddenly feel threatening and all of that. And so that word shift, and again, thinking about this particular client yesterday, even at the beginning, their body posture was kind of slanted and sagging. And this is a strapping human being, and they were kind of sagging. Mm. And at that moment, when they took breath, it, it was almost like, and then, 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 and then. And then. <laughs> you know. So uh, I, I would say that somatics is really the bridge that we have to an infinite set of resources that illuminate our stories and help us authenticate understand what is real, what is true, what is actionable, um, what we have bandwidth for, and our body um, registers. And if we are able to be still and look, our body is telling us. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah. What, he, what he came up with it was I'm um, I'm not living my values, which is a pretty yeah pretty significant uh, disconnect that that needs yeah. to be amended. And so and sometimes the the individual may say, I said this or that. It might not even be that clear for them. This mm-hmm. you know this level of person is pretty aware to get where they are. But someone might say, Well, I ended up having uh, uh, an argument with somebody on my team. And then the coach's position on that is to help them uncover, well, what about that? Is it? And so, so sometimes that'll, it'll take them down. Well, we were fighting. Well, why was that important? What was about that? And then they will come down in a layer and a layer and a layer. Well, they rarely recognize it's about them. And honoring who they are or being authentic. And those words might not be what someone would use. Mm-hmm. A coach knows when values, you can sense it and in the body and in the language and all of that. So many people don't have that vocabulary. We have to anticipate it for them. And yet we can't force it if that, if, if that registers. So this in this example that you were talking about, the guy sounded like he came in with five pretty clear agenda items that he was able to articulate yeah. to you. But then after this, the body break, he brought up the issue of the values. Now, will you? I mean, obviously, the the values deal is something you you would have to work with him on. That would you also go back and work with the other five, or were those kind of just stories that he was using in order to get to a deeper point. That's the beauty of it is that the client always directs it. So what happened was when I said, may I reflect back to you? What was that? And he named it. And so I didn't assign it value. What I did was I said, well, here are five things that I've heard you name as important for you and then I, I simply said calendar and, mm-hmm. you know, strategy and I named them and I said, and this one about values. And I said, and this is the coach's job to help them prioritize. And I said, of those five, with the time that we have today, which one of those would make the most difference if we addressed it? And there was a pause. And then it was, I think me living my values. And I said, all right. And then I, as a coach, I will remember those four because they may become part of the solution on down the line. And it's also a part of trust. I asked Greg to give me an idea of what a standard session with him would be like. I would say without exception that I give the opportunity to be still and reset at the very beginning. If it's a first time client, I talk to them about, you know, the ethics so that they know that they're safe and that they're, this is only talked about in aggregate. It's not reported to their superiors, you know, any of that. It is solely for their best and highest. And then I also talk about the only time that that has ever altered is if they're a threat to themselves or someone else. And I say, but I would talk to you first about it if I have those concerns. And they generally nod assent. 
I ask them if there are any questions of concern to them about this. And sometimes it is, am I going to be reported on for this? And, you know, all of those types of things. And then we move into the centering. It's as simple as asking what is present for you right now. So it, it allows, I, I would say rather than creating a time to tell stories, it's, it allows stories to surface because stories can get so thick and so detailed. So the goal is to see what's being carried up. And then the prioritization is really an effort in those, the first portion of the time to really attend to what is going to be most helpful now. I use the words, which of these will have the most impact right now, rather than let's prioritize them, Mm. because that can become task-oriented. And it is a lot about the languaging and giving them this sense of what will be most helpful. And so then they'll name that. Well, then with that, what aspect of that would be of most value in the time that we have? And they could say X. And I'd say, and so how would you know that you walk away and go, wow, that was really worth it? I really advanced. And they can, sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes uh, it's an action list, sometimes it's uh, just an end state or preparatory for something else. And I've had clients say, you know, I need to just think about that. And I say, so what would that goal be? And they'd say, I just need some time. All right. So if we use today to give you that time to think about, would that be success? And they'll go, yes. And so it's, they're always driving it and getting closer to what's more important. That is kind of our mooring that we can come back to and check in, are we still on target? And it generally kind of morphs throughout the time as they get layers and layers, and it will get clearer and clearer, and we will co-design an action plan, and the questions are almost already, so now, what's actionable about that that will help you be in a shifted place with that? What would that look like? What would you need? And you make it very, have them make it very concrete. And then you help them say, well, when would you do that? And what would the first step be? And what what are you today? How would you say what your next week is going to look like related to this? And then that shapes itself. And then we come to a close. And I always love to say, so from the time that you and I started today to now, what's happened? And it's a, a lot of times they can say, you know, I came in thinking this and I realized that and I'm going to this. And that's just beautiful. Yeah. In short, it's the centering in safety, the giving space for their agenda to emerge helping co-create what the action will be through that co-design and that conversational work, holding the space for them while they do it, assisting them as they climb through it, as they elevate, turning that for them into what's their actionable, and then being witness and supportive 
supporting them in making that a reality and cheering them on. I'd say that's it in, in some. And, and we celebrate at the end. You know, we'll laugh. So many times we end up laughing. Wow, you did a lot of work there. <laughs> Do you know that? And they'll go, yeah, I'm exhausted. And I said, <laughs> yeah, you have every right to be. You you did it. Yeah, it's, you know, when you coach, it's, mm-hmm. it's that wonderful. I just, I'm loving getting to talk about it, you can tell. Greg has been helping develop a coaching organization called Leeds US, and I asked him to tell me about it. Leeds US. Yeah, right now it's a constellation of colleagues that work together with a commitment to really what we think is going to be the next generation of coaching that more intentionally incorporate these cross-disciplinary, holistic attributes and bring them in a way that there's a return on investment. Some of the clients that we're working with are in just the most high-stress, high-stake, outcomes-driven professions you can imagine. And for them to give an hour a week or every three weeks or so What's the return on investment for that? And so Leeds U.S. has really taken the lead in leadership development. See, we're doing benchmarking and data that supports for every blank invested in coaching executives and support teams and all of that. What's the return on investment? In the hard costs of retention of staff, less sick days, less confusion on projects, clear speaking, articulation. So all of that and with the psychosocial, emotional, some people might call it spiritual aspects of it as well, um, re-energize humanity in the workplace. That's the work that Leeds U.S. has been doing. And I have some incredible, incredible colleagues working with them. And it's, it's just, it is so great. Uh, so I'm so glad you asked about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let me ask you more about the return on investment. Um, uh, as mm-hmm. I was understanding it, um, have you come up with sort of metrics that you suggest these are positive outcomes that you should see that we should measure in terms of the return on investment? A lot of time they already have metrics that they'd like to see. They, they have their risk assessments and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this that they want to see turnarounds. And generally a lot of it comes through uh, human resources that a reduction in staff turnover. Mm-hmm. So they're not having to train people. Uh, an increase in job satisfaction, an increase in collaboration, a decrease in workplace illness and absence. And um, then what we're really working with, and we're working with some data analysts who are really deep dive folks into this right now. So we're using some of the executive teams that we're working with kind of chart out uh, new benchmarks that can you say that this turned around this X amount of millions or in some cases billions of dollars because this person advanced into their highest and their teams advanced 
we're really working to define some of those metrics right now. And there are people out there who are doing that. It's not mm. uh, that we're the only ones. Right. I, I would say that Leeds is doing it maybe in a different approach that is recognizable. And it, it's really interesting. One of our client sets, they call it the secret sauce. And they'll say mm. it, they'll say, I don't know what your secret sauce is, but I know that when I talk to my direct reports and I tell them that we have an end to coaching in sight, and they'll say, well, what are we going to do next? Because I am just so energized. And our goal is not to make them dependent on coaching. It's to get you set. We we have limited engagements, but they're saying, well, what next? How does my team do this? How do we scale this up yeah. for the entire organization? And some of the uh, folks that we are working or about to work with have between 6,000 and 20,000 employees. Um, so we're looking to how do you scale it up? And Wow, an entire ecosystem. So the question that you ask about metrics, some are there, some we're kind of anticipating, and some I imagine we don't even know what they are. And it'll take real data, deep dive, meta-analysis people to help us figure it out. Greg and I had a long conversation about the concept of elevating, which Greg summarized as follows. To shorten it, it would be to say that Elevate is the capacity to make the connections with the best in you, that that stuff that makes you uniquely you and bring that forward for its fullest and most generous and um, satisfying impact in the world, in the workplace, in your relationships. Greg's website and company are called Wild Geese Among Us, and I was curious about how he came up with that name and, and what it meant to him. It's a, it's a beautiful metaphor. Everyone has a sense about wild geese and when they fly in formation. And uh, years ago, I lived in, in Houston, in Texas, and I loved the fall, and so I would always watch for the geese when they came because it meant something very beautiful was about to happen in my world. And so I've always had that fascination. And it came from two places. One, IBM, when I lived in Los Angeles, a friend of mine worked for IBM. And uh, the head of IBM at one time had said that there were employees and he called them wild ducks. <laughs> and it was a person in the organization who was valued and a contributor and also would stay just outside the normal line of things to keep that organization looking for beyond status quo. And mm. she said they're, they're considered the most loved and the most irritating at times <laughs> people. Yeah. And she said, she said to me, she said, Greg, you're a wild duck. So that had stuck with me. And then there is a poem by Mary Oliver, one of my favorite poets, and it's called Wild Geese. And it talks about them being in the sky, the piercing blue sky and flying and in their formation. And they says over and over again, coming home in the family of belonging. I did ornithological studies on it as part of my education to see what makes geese tick and how do they mm. fly. Huh. And the, uh, the three takeaways are this. The first is that 
geese are drawn to a home that they've never been to. So they're born somewhere, but then they fly to somewhere else different, but they know where they're going without having been there. And I said, that is an amazing business tool or concept as well as personal growth and development that what am I being drawn to? And the second one is the geese do not bulk up with baggage to get there they find the resources on the way. So there's a great improvisational aspect and the geese fly, they're, they're called uh, avian byways. And so they have broad aerial lanes in which they travel so they can move to either side and across and back and forth, but they're still going to end up where, the, where they need to be. But they don't carry wheat on their back and water jugs. They bulk up enough to start the flight, and then they trust that the resources will meet them on the way, and they do. And then the third and final, and this is the beauty of it for me, uh, they're called echelons, not Vs. So they're inverted Vs called echelons. And the first one will when tired will rotate Mm. back to the back, and everybody goes, yeah, what a great business principle. The one that is so amazing to me is that echelons of geese Think about them all flying from Canada down to toward Mexico, that there could be snow geese and Canadian geese and all of these different types. And what happens is there will be a wild goose and it will laterally transfer across other echelons while they're still flying south moving its own team to say, there's water over here and there's no more wheat there. And what will happen, these wild geese will move between echelons, between different types of geese going to different locations and they share the knowledge and information. And and the whole thing is just, it's remarkable from start to finish when they leave home. It, everything, they're genetic markers and there are magnetic inclinations of the world and the way the sun hits, they know it's time to go. And there's something that clicks on. And so I think that the fullest human being knows there's a purpose for me. Maybe it's Mm. being a parent or maybe it's being an executive. I want to be honed in to that. And then I don't want to carry a lot of baggage in in every sense of the word. I want to meet and improvise along the way. And then third, I want to collaborate with the greatest amount of wisdom givers, even if they're irritant in my life. I want to give that. I want to receive it. I want to be that. I want to experience it. So that's where it all comes from. And that was not a short answer, I realized. And that's that's where it comes from. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love it. And people, the thing is, they get it immediately mm-hmm. when I say, oh, well, it's these three things. It's home, it's improvisation and not baggaging up, and it's this collaboration, and people will just smile. And then generally, you know, when I was in blank, I saw the geese do this, and everybody gets yeah. excited about their geese stories. It's wonderful. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael. What what a gift. Um, you're helping me learn and it's just so great. So I'm I'm really grateful. Well, likewise. I, I feel like I'm, I had a crash course in, in advanced coaching <laughs> here. So <laughs> good. 
Well, thanks so much for joining this conversation with Greg Finch about coaching. I hope you learned as much as I did about the nature of coaching and how a coaching relationship can help leaders of all kinds realize their full potential and express the very best that they have to offer. MindRamp makes coaching an important part of our system for promoting brain health and mind management. So we not only help you understand what you can do to strengthen your brain and sharpen your mind, we also help you to take action, to actually do what needs to be done. We're all pretty good about telling ourselves what we should do to be as healthy and happy as possible. Not so good about actually making the changes that are required. Well, that's where a good coach can really help. So you can learn more about MindRamp, our brain health programs, our coaching, and so on at our website at www.mindramp.org, mindramp.org. And you can learn more about Greg Finch and his work at www.wildgeeseamongus, all one word, wildgeeseamongus.com. Okay, take care of yourself. I look forward to the next time we get together.